up your Bibles to the book of Philippians. Uh, last week we were in the book of Acts uh, as we started thinking about uh, the church at Philippi. And you know what happened last week as we looked? Uh, people came to know Jesus. They came to know Jesus. They came to uh, have a saving relationship with him. Uh, there was Lydia, uh, a follower of God of the Old Testament, and as she understood who Jesus was, she came to follow and trust in him. There was most likely this uh, young girl who was demon-possessed and was being used uh, in fortune-telling that the demon was removed from her, and most likely she came to know Christ. And then there was um, the Philippian jailer, like he went, he was in charge of... Uh, uh, these missionaries that they had been stirring things up, and so they got put in prison. They got um, beaten and then put in prison, and uh, he was put in charge of them. And through their their words that they were encouraging each other with, and the songs that they were singing, well, that's a good worship service, right? By the way, Zach, when people sing and then they come to know Christ, it's, it's a good thing. And the Philippian jailer came. Uh, to know Christ as well. He wanted to get saved as well. And it wasn't just the Philippian jailer and Lydia. It was their households as well. Their households as well. And remember last week, if you were here, uh, I encouraged you that chances are uh, the gospel is going to come through one person, God working in one person, and he desires to reach households um, and to reach your kids and your grandkids, your spouse. Um, your stubborn spouse, I would say, uh, if you, you know who you are and you know who they are. Uh, probably mo most marriages have two stubborn spouses, by the way. Do the math on that one. Um, but uh, God's good. He's He's generous and kind. And I, I want to encourage you uh, today. Um, we're beginning a study in the book of Philippians, and we see joyful service in the book of Philippians. We see how God uh, saves people and then he commissions them or allows them joyful service with him. Now, as we begin, I, I just want to encourage you. Uh, I just want you to think about your own soul right now, your own person, who you are. Um, do you struggle with joy? Do you struggle with joy? I'm not talking about when the party's happening. Most of us can party when the party's happening. We can smile and laugh too loud, and uh, we can act like we're a party waiting to happen somewhere. Um, but what I'm saying, what I'm asking about is in your soul, in your person, when you're alone, when it's just you and him, you and God. Uh, you, if you struggle with joy there, I, I want to encourage you in the book of Philippians, I believe we're going to find something in joyful service to him, joyful service to him. Um, I, I don't want to talk to you. I do want to talk about this. Um, so most of us struggle with joy because we look for it in things that aren't ever going to provide for us that which we're looking for. Uh, some of you were uh, so excited last week because it was a Super Bowl. Some for nachos, some for the Rams. Um, uh, problem was the Rams lost, and uh, the nachos are gone. But they show their um, the repercussions of the day. They might show what happened. Okay, I think that through. Um, 
and and that's that's the way it is with everything, right? Uh, temporary pleasures, the problems with temporary pleasures, they're just temporary, right? Uh, they pass. And if we uh, chain ourselves or chain our ship to that dock, what happens? As the dock goes, so does the ship. And uh, I just want to encourage you that we're looking for something better in the book of Philippians, something uh, not temporary, something that will work every day, will work every day. Uh, no matter if we like the day or we don't like the day, or whether things go our way or things don't go our way. Um, I'm finding more often than not, things don't go our way, right? Um, and so we need to get used to that idea that God has called us into joyful service of Him, whether things go our way or not. And so um, this is some of the challenges we find uh, as we st- begin this study. This morning, I'd like to look at um, chapter 1, verse 1. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you the first five verses. God's word says this, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and the deacons, grace to you and peace uh, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, for you all, uh, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. God, we ask your blessing on our uh, on your word uh, that you give to us that uh, is meant to uh, change us into the people you want us to be. I pray that that change would go on today as we look at your word. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. Uh, The intro of the book. Uh, If you uh, were with us yesterday, you realize, or yesterday, last week, um, you realize that the establishing of the church at Philippi came on Paul's second missionary journey. Um, you can also see that he made another stop there in his third missionary journey. And this, uh, this book that we're looking at today, um, not that dates matter a whole lot, unless you're a historian. Um, you got the second missionary journey being around 49 AD. Okay, you can think about that, 49 AD. Uh, the third missionary journey being... Um, about eight, nine years later, 54 to 58 A.D. And then the writing of this book, this book coming at probably 61 A.D., so maybe 12 years after the visit, 11 or 12 years after the visit, the initial visit to the church at Philippi. We find Paul um, under in Rome under house arrest, under house arrest, um, he uh, he's in the big city, uh, but he's also uh, part of the institution of the big house, right? He's stuck in Rome, uh, not most likely not in a jail, but under house arrest. Um, many have joked uh, in the last months that that's what Brandon's doing in Rome, uh, and we're expecting some letters uh, that are written <coughs> as Brandon is stuck in Rome. Um, for those of you who don't know, our associate pastor is. Uh, in Rome with his daughter and his family and 
they're doing well, by the way. Uh, I spoke with them a long time this last week, and uh, they seem to be encouraged, a little buoyant because of uh, just some of the progress that's been made. There's still a long way to go, uh, a lot of things that need to keep going. Um, Brandon's mom is there with them now. Hope they'll bring you more details on that in the weeks to come. Um, as we look at this book, uh, this is just an intro. This is just an intro. As you read these verses, maybe even in your mind, you skip them. They're, they're not going to make uh, signs for your kitchen or anything like that um, as you think of these scriptures. And yet they're important in that they give us a framework of what we're talking about. Uh, it starts out, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Now, I was thinking about this. Uh, some of you, please don't take offense to this. This is you. But um, many companies today seek to encourage their employees with big titles, with big titles, um, so that they can put them on their letterhead, their businesses, their the end of their email. And they're always vice president of something, right? Uh, vice president of watering. Uh, Vice President of Holding of All the Keys. Uh, Vice President of, you know, Head Pencil Monitor or whatever, whatever it is. There's always this idea of big title so that somebody thinks that you're important. And what stands out to me in the book of uh, Philippians is Paul starts out. And uh, if you want to impress somebody, you kind of want to say, well, you know, uh, if I really want to sound official or something, when I make a phone call and somebody says, I call and I say, this is Pastor Kevin. Pastor Kevin. Huh. And I hope that they like, oh, Pastor Kevin. They don't. Of the Bear Valley Church. The Bear Valley Church. I'm the senior pastor. And if they ask, does that just mean you're the oldest one there? Uh, uh, you you know, that idea of a title uh, of identifying yourself, it, it, it shows something, right? Look at this. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Paul and Timothy. Paul, uh, by the way, Paul, the Apostle Paul. He could have said the Apostle Paul, but he didn't say that. He just said Paul, servant of Christ Jesus. Paul, uh, he was the, the writer of this book. It was um, his authority as an apostle that was bringing this book forward from God. He came to faith uh, just like everybody else. You remember, uh, he was a persecutor of the church. And then on the road, he was blinded. He was blinded and brought to his knees by the Lord himself. He was uh, he was stopped in the midst of his unbelief and brought uh, to saving faith. He knew that really, as Paul thinks of his life, he, he says, you know, he's going to go on in the book of Philippians even to describe his own testimony of he was great before he came to faith. He was great. He was awesome. He had He had credentials. But coming to faith, he gave all those up. Because Christ was so valuable. And Christ had changed him. And so I want you to get this picture. Last week, we saw that first visit to Philippi. Lydia lost it all. Right? She was a wealthy woman. She had 
Uh, she lost it all to follow Christ. And when I say lost it all, she lost all that identity of the past. And now she was just a follower of Christ. You have that slave girl. If she truly came to faith, guess what? She lost all the, the garbage of the past. The, the uh, um, Being possessed by a demon and being used by men. Like, she lost all that. She lost all that to come to and then the Philippian jailer, he he lost his probably lost his job. He lost his. You, you don't know all that he lost, but know this: that he came to faith in Christ, and it changed everything. And and what we're seeing uh, in the Book of Acts and Philippians and Bear Valley Springs, what we're seeing is Jesus changing everything, changing everything. And and when I say changing everything, everything that matters, everything that. Um, we see uh, Paul, he came to faith, and he references Timothy. Timothy, um, if you know of his testimony, there, there's really the, the greatest connection we see in him coming to faith was his mother and his grandmother that they shared with him. And guess what? Timothy needed Jesus. Timothy had, had needed Christ, and he was now a worker, and as he had been to this area of Macedonia, and he had uh, worked this area too. They they knew Timothy, and so Paul's saying, Paul, Timothy, we are sending you a message that you might know. And this is our badge, servant of Christ, servant of Jesus. Um, the word servant is a very popular one for Paul to use especially, but it's used other words. In the New Testament, it's the idea of a simple servant. Um, when you when you go into a store and you have a complaint, you want to talk to the man in charge, right? The greatest. You, you want to talk to the one that, that that's superior and above all. And Paul says this. He says. We're writing to you, servants of Christ, slaves of him, slaves of him. And so, so you get Paul, the Apostle Paul, and his partner Timothy in ministry. And what do they say? We're just servants. We're just slaves. And, and I want you to get this. Um, and I want you to ask this question. Um, are, are you, your person, who you are sitting right here today, are you greater than the Apostle Paul? Let me answer it for you. No. Okay? Nor am I. He's better than I am. He outranks me. If for nothing else, if for nothing else, Apostle Paul, one, you know, known, sent by God, right? He, he was sent by God. He was the one that God sent to establish the church. Well, one of them. Right? Okay. I'm not an apostle. I'm not one that, right, you know. And so I'm lesser. I'm lesser. So put this together. If Paul called himself a servant of Christ, then you, slave of Christ, shouldn't you see yourself differently because of what Jesus has done for you? Paul saw himself different because of what Christ had done for him. So he sees himself, Paul and Timothy. And he, he said, oh, Paul and Timothy, amazing things that they had done. 
servants. That's all they were. All they were. And so I, I want you to get this. I think I cranked the heat up too high. Some of you are dozing off. Um, hey, Jeff, are you a skilled electrician? Could you turn that heater down? It's the bottom button. Sorry. That's what happens when a pastor thinks he's got authority and starts messing with things he shouldn't mess with. So Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ. These are the writers. They see themselves as servants. He goes on and he, he wants to address the church and he says this, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and the deacons. That's the church at Philippi. That's that's how he identifies them. And I, I want to warn you, I won't look at anybody, okay? Uh, for you ex-Catholics and recovering Catholics and so on and so forth, and present Catholics, um, how's that hit you? When he says to the saints, and I want you to get this, I want you to get this, he is not talking to any dead people here. Not a one. Not a one. He calls them saints. What is a saint? What is a saint? I don't know now. Um, it's not a dead person. I mean, you can refer to people who are in faith as saints. But how does one become a saint? How do you get to be a saint? That, that's an important question for you here this morning. Um. And let me back up here. Let me back up here. Who is he referring to? You know who he's referring to? Lydia. Lydia. Uh, she's a good lady. She followed God. You know, she followed God and she was wealthy. But she knew that she needed Jesus. And Jesus made her a saint. There, there was this young, young girl that she probably came to faith too. You know, he was referring to her. She was dirty. She had lived an awful life. She had been possessed. He was referring to her. She trusted. He was referring to her. The Philippian jailer, you know, the correctional officer, right? So you can relate to that real easily, right? Uh, you know, when you think of moral upstanding people who, you know, their speech is just, Correctional officers, right? Philippian jailer, right? He was, he was there, he was watching. He came to faith. He was referring to them as saints. These are the saints. And I want to I wanna freak you out even more. This were written to Bear Valley Church. He would have said to all the saints of Bear Valley Church. To all the saints. To all, and he would have, he said, well, list them out for me. He would have put names. Doesn't he know? What we, yeah, he knew, yeah, he knew what they had done. He knew who they were. He knew who their families were. He knew the, the history. But the history wasn't the thing that identified them as saints. It was Jesus. It was Jesus. Okay, let's go to that word, you know, saint, okay? The word saint. Holy one, holy one. How, how do I become a holy one? Work really hard at it. No, you don't. Uh, you think of the word holy, uh, it's undefiled, set apart, perfect. Uh, 
How do you become perfect? How do you become unblemished, spotless, perfect? You go, oh, I work really hard. No, you don't. Because a littlest spot or imperfection makes you unholy. By the way, none of us are even close, right? It's not even close. It's not even close that we would be holy. But I want to tell you, because of the work of Christ, each and every one of you can be called holy. Trust in Christ. That his record replaces your record. His, him being spotless is the one that covers your many, many imperfections and mine too. So much so that the Apostle Paul just a survey, right? Uh, the Apostle Paul referred to the Philippian church, the ones who had a bad history and a good history and everything in between. He said, to the saints, to the saints, to the holy. As you look at that, um, it's kind of mind-blowing, isn't it? Um, even as I connected it with this church right here, to think of yourself as a saint, hard, right? It's hard, to, you know, it's hard to get your picture, your head around that. You say, well, uh, how, how do you get to be a saint? Because of Jesus, okay? He says to the saints, um, and he also uh, then says to the leaders with, with the overseers and deacons. I, I want you to see this. This is pretty, I think this is, may seem subtle, but I think it's important. Uh, he refers to himself, he refers to himself and to his partner, Timothy. He says, what are we, servants? What are we, servants? And then he turns to the common people of the church, the common people, he says, to the saints, to the saints. Uh, that's a great title right there, to the holy ones. Um, that, that sounds pretty good. That's, that's better than vice president, right, of anything, right? But then he, he goes to the leadership, the leadership. And really, uh, I was sharing this with somebody. There's really only two badges that you can really have uh, in a New Testament church. That of overseer or elder, pastor, shepherd, or of deacon, of deacon. Those are the only, the only two badges. You say, well, how do I get one of those badges? By the way, um, neither one of those are that great of a position. The first one he describes by function, by function, what they do. He says overseer, overseer, uh, middle manager again, right? It's the idea that uh, you're not in charge of anything. This isn't your stuff. You're just supposed to make sure that it's there. It's the great librarian, right? Uh, it's making sure everything's there and in its place. You're, you're, you're caring for something that is not your own. Overseer. Uh, this word overseer connects real quickly to shepherd. Uh, and the idea of being a shepherd is you count sheep. You count sheep. You make sure they're all there. Um, it's somewhat boring and repetitive and uh, frustrating. Uh, but it's important because the sheep are important to the chief shepherd. And so he, he says to those to the overseers. But then the second one... Uh, 
He, the second word he uses is that of deacon or deacons. Um, w- once again, uh, this word deacon, it's another word for slave, but it, it might even have the, the uh, term or added uh, pressure of lowly slave, lowly slave. Um, if you study the New Testament times, you realize that uh, there were tons of slaves, tons of slaves, uh, all different kinds. And it wasn't um, as big of a deal for someone to be a slave than it would be today. But it's the idea of being, uh, there were some that were important slaves, uh, valuable slaves, but then there were lowly slaves. Uh, and they would use the word deacon, diakonos, uh, lowly slave. And so you get this picture, okay? Who who are the players here? You got servants, Paul and Timothy. We're no big deal. We're no big deal. Saints, holy ones, that didn't get there on their own. Uh, They got there because of Jesus. And then leadership in the church, you have uh, shepherds and lowly slaves. That's all you got. Um, We're working on this, this picture uh, for our church and thinking through the role of deacon, what that looks like. Um, and I want you to get that. So so this is this is the these are the players. As we look at this, um, you have the writers, you have the church, you have the leaders. He brings them gospel greetings. And this is very common to Paul's writings. He says, Grace to you and peace. Grace to you and peace. What that is, that's the gospel, right? Grace and peace. Uh, it's what you need and what you get, right? Uh, you need grace and at the point of time of salvation, but also after that, right? It's not that we become perfect in that one point time. We do uh, get the, the uh, death and resurrection of Christ at that point of salvation, but it's not that all of our sins are gone. We continue to need grace. Uh, can I get it? We continue to need grace. Some of you have been a Christian a long time, and then you went and sinned last week or this morning or whatever, right? Uh, it's not that we have been made perfect here in this life, but that because of Jesus, He's taking care of us. And so the gospel greeting is one that reminds us of what we get in Jesus' grace and peace. Peace. In the midst of a crazy, sinful world, the peace that comes from Christ is what we get in the gospel. Grace and peace. Um, this is his gospel greeting to them. Uh, and it's from grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And what a beautiful thing that is to have a gospel greeting because grace and peace comes from our Father, uh, the one whose plan included you, the one who who brought about the plan of salvation, and then includes his son Jesus, who it's on the basis of his work that you receive the grace and peace uh, that you find today. And so uh, as, as Paul and Timothy, all those saints that didn't really look like saints, and those overseers and those deacons, as they thought about it, all, all of them needed Jesus. All of them needed the plan of God worked out in His Son, Jesus. 
he goes on in verse 3, uh, and you see uh, a theme of Paul's that he loves to bring up, and it's really the, the constants, the, the occupation of the believer, um, that he, he says there's three things. There's three things that you should be and could be and uh, in the Lord, thankful, prayerful, joyful. Thankful, prayerful, joyful. What should you do today? You should be thankful. You should pray. And you should be joyful for what you have in Christ. Uh, that, that's what we should be doing. In verse 3, he says this, I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always in prayer of mine uh, for, for you all, making my prayer with joy. Uh, bringing my prayer with joy. And what you see there is, are, are these things, these occupations, these functions, these activities of the believer. And as Paul thought of these things, uh, he was connecting what he, how his relationship was to this church at Philippi. When he thought of the church at Philippi, he was grateful. He was grateful. Um, I think, I think Paul, um, last week, remember, we looked at Acts and he was wanting to go here and there. Uh, and it was no, no, no. And then uh, he got this Macedonian call to this area of which Philippi was in. And uh, they said, come, work with us. And so he felt from the Lord that that's where God wanted him to go. And so he went. He went there. And as he went there, uh, God brought this great fruit. And, and, and so when he thought of that trip, or probably the third trip as well, and the people that he met, and he thought of as he was in Rome sitting there with all the time in the world to think, by the way. Uh, uh, some of you have been put in prison or the hospital or something like that where you've had time to think where you didn't want to think, right? Um, by the way, I forgot to tell you this earlier. Uh, some of you have been praying for Dan Knowles. Uh, he uh, uh, fell at the job site. He's a contractor. I got to visit with him yesterday. I was so encouraged by him and his wife. And they're praising the Lord and talking of his goodness. And, uh, he fell off some scaffolding, landed on his head, slammed on his back. And uh, he had seven fractures in his back. And uh, he's doing great. He's doing great. And he's happy. And he's joyful. Um, as I left his home, uh, he walked me to the door uh, in his brace, very gingerly. Uh, but uh, uh, but uh, nonetheless, uh, it was sweet uh, to hear him. And I hear his testimony of what God's been doing. His work it was sweet, it was sweet. Uh, not that everything's okay, but it's sweet to hear the believer. And so uh, as Paul, as he's in you know, house arrest, wherever the position or the actual situation in Rome where he is, he's thinking of them, and what is he doing? He's uh, thankful. He's thankful. He's thankful to God for them. Uh, we'll get on in <coughs> to what they did for him later on in the book. We believe they sent uh, a monetary. He, they, they were supporting him as he was in prison but it, it was this connection that they had he had shared the gospel with them they had responded in the gospel and now as he thought of them he was 
know, he's so excited to see them again and to, to think or to think about them. And when, when he thought of them, he smiled and he was thankful to God for what they what he had done. I think you know that feeling. Where there are brothers and sisters in Christ that you're not with. But when God brings them to mind as you're as you're thinking about them, you're thankful for them. For what God's done in you, for what God's done in them. And so with gratitude, uh, he, he was thankful uh, as he remembered them. But it didn't just leave with this idea of gratitude, but it, it brought him to prayer. It brought him to prayer. And as uh, he, he thought of them, he used that as an opportunity to pray for them. Uh, to the same God who he was thankful to, the same God that had saved him by his plan and his work of the son Jesus, now, that same God, he was calling upon him uh, to, as he prayed for them. And then lastly, as he was praying, uh, there was great joy that came through them. There was great joy. Um, and I, I want to encourage you about something. Some of, some of us, I say us, I, I struggle with this as well. Um, we should be doing a study on joy here in the next months. We're together in the book of Philippians. And you need to say this. I struggle with it, so I need to make a bigger issue out of it in my study. And so as I go through the book of Philippians, when I see the word joy, joyful, and joy, anything close, I need to make connection. What brings joy? Because I don't seem to have some of it. I seem to run out. Where do you find joy? Joy. In this verse, is found in prayer, in prayer, connected with prayer, connected with the partnership of seeing God work in others and yourself. Okay? Think about that. Think about that. It should bring you joy as you think about what God has done in your life and the lives of others. As you, you see God save a worthless soul, you should rejoice because you know that that soul is the same as your soul. So joy is found in this beautiful connection of God bringing saint, making saints and then bringing them together. Think about that. Joy, um, some of us seek joy in being awesome, right? Where is awesome in this passage? It's not in Paul and Timothy. It's not in the saints. It's awesome that they are saints, but it wasn't because of their own doing. It's not having a badge in the church, right? An elder, overseer, senior pastor. Wow. Uh, I, I'm, you know, I'm the head deacon. Oh, you're the head slave of the church. Nice to meet you. The head lowly servant. Can you give me a cup of coffee? You know, uh, uh, you know, th this is what it is to be a part of the church. It's not joy found in position. It's not joy found in being awesome. It's joy found in that God has saved me. God has saved you. And I can't believe either one of them. And to find that we are connected uh, through prayer, uh, that we God would be doing a joyful work in us. And then uh, as, as we come to verse 5, we see this and he says, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Um, 
We're all looking for excitement in life. We're all looking for uh, those things that will make life worth living. We're all looking for, for something that will make us feel important and full and for me to be able to say, I have a great life. I want to tell you, the great life is found. Joy is found in verse 5. The partnership in the gospel. Partnership in the gospel. He, uh, uh, he's reflecting. He says, from the first day until now. I think he's thinking of that those days that he rolled into uh, Philippi. He met those people. And they responded in the gospel. And he got thrown in jail. And he says, I remember your partnership from that first day that we met one another. Until now. Until now. And we've heard from one another. And we've seen you working there. I, I working in various places. That There's partnership in the gospel. Uh, something amazing to me that happens as God connects us. Um, I, I love... Uh, I'm always thrilled to see people uh, wandering the halls of Bear Valley Church uh, because uh, few people get paid here, few of us. Um, and to see us having this sweet partnership in God's work here is thrilling. And frankly, it gives meaning to my life and to yours and to yours. Um, you know, I, I look at the things that we look to find meaning and um, forgive me for talking too personally here, but w- when I say meaning, I, I'm saying for insecure people to find security. Yikes. Can you just say insecurity in church? Yeah. I won't make you do it, but who's insecure here? Who struggles with areas of insecurity? Right? We all do. We all do. And to find that idea of purpose and security and this idea of uh, of fulfillment, I want to tell you, it's not found in a do-it-yourselfer project. It's not found in a career. It's not found in a pile of money. It's not found in a new car. It's not found in a new wardrobe. It's not found in popularity. It's found in partnership in the gospel. That we would be a part of something far greater. Nobody should let us touch the gospel. The the building of the church, we we don't deserve a position. We don't deserve uh, to be the lowliest of servants here. And yet, what happens is this. This is an amazing thing. Amazing thing. God saves people. Saves them from their sins. And then he allows them a work. And the greatest thing of it is church. Partnership in the gospel. And so as we look at this, we see he looked in the past and he saw the beginning. And now he, as he was sitting there, he was thinking, now, even now, I'm working in the gospel. They're working in the gospel. There's a partnership. And as he looked out on the horizon, though not mentioned here, he was thinking, we're in an eternal deal here. Okay? Those same people, I may I may die here. I don't know what's going on here in prison. Uh, people die all the time in Rome. Nobody knows about them. Um, and so he, 
He looks out on the horizon and says, it's okay. I'm confident because I'll see Lydia later. See that jailer. He, he looked pretty shaky after you know the stuff that had gone on there. I will see these people again because we are in partnership in something that will last forever. And so we look at this and we go, this is what it is to be a part of the Philippian church. This, this is what it is to be a part of Bear Valley Church. Um, and so this is exciting. This is exciting. This can bring joy. I want to give you three things uh, as we close our time uh, this morning just for us to remember. The first one is uh, the gospel changes individuals. Um, and I was looking in core ways or significant ways or the most important ways. I don't know how I want to say that, but I want to say this, that if you've come to know Jesus Christ, forget your occupation. Uh, forget your heritage, good or bad. Uh, forget <coughs> um, the things that you've done uh, that are significant of the past, but also the things that are you'd really rather forget. You can. You, you're free to do that in the gospel. Because the gospel changes us in such significant ways. It, it makes all the rest of the stuff, the history of our life, insignificant. It now becomes the identifying thing of our life. Paul's going to go on to talk about that. But this idea that he's just a servant of Christ is now his identifying picture. If you don't like that one, say you're, the, say you're a saint. Introduce yourself. Uh, say, who am I speaking with? Saint Kevin. He has a nice ring to it, doesn't he? Oh, that's that's great. So it's now the identifying thing for us. It's it is the most significant thing, okay? That that Christ has done. Forget about all the other stuff. Second thing. The gospel connects the different. And, and who, who I'm talking about is you. You're the different ones, okay? And when I say different, I'm not saying you're weird. Not all of you. Um, but but what, what's always interesting to me and is interesting in this passage is that uh, there's open doors in the gospel that as you come through them, it doesn't matter anymore. You're changed to be connected one to another. Um, if you look back to what we looked at last week, you, you have a, a rich lady, a, a young girl that lived on the streets or wherever she lived, demon-possessed and been taken advantage of, and, and a Philippian jailer. That Those are the only three we know, and two of their households. And I can imagine a house church being, you know, the, I don't know if they started right there or people came to faith right after them. It doesn't say... Uh, conclusively, all who came, but you can imagine having their first meeting. They're at a church planning meeting, and and they say, uh, "What can you bring?" And the, the girls just going, "I didn't bring nothing." You know, I just uh, I, they started a riot over me in the town. You know, and the, the jailer going, "Well, I could bring my friends. They're a pretty rough crowd." You know, and uh, the Lydia saying, "Well, you know, I have some nice ladies I used to meet with for prayer out at the the river," um, and for that to be the church. And what he does, because of the gospel, it connects people that would, wouldn't be connected uh, in any other way. Uh, because all that other stuff has gone by the wayside. And now 
they're connected by the only thing that matters, and that's Jesus. And then lastly, for us to remember, the gospel brings us, the message of Jesus brings us into an eternal joyful work. An eternal joyful work. Um, I want to encourage you, uh, if you're struggling with joy, um, chances are we're dwelling and occupying ourselves in the empty. Chances are. If you've trusted in Christ, God has called you to His joyful, eternal work, His church. And there needs to be an adjustment. Maybe if we're struggling with joy, it's because we're looking in the wrong places for joy. And for us to to now willingly uh, crank our heads and, and stare upon and dwell upon the things that God desires for us, the things that He has for us. Because He saved us, He's brought us into partnership in His church. I want to tell you, there's no better place for you to be today. Please join me with me in prayer. Father God, thank You for this time. God, I pray especially for those who are struggling with joy or um, uh, wondering if they're on the outside looking in. And I I pray that You would continue to draw uh, souls to Yourself that they can take their place in your church to be the saints that you desire them to be, the holy ones, the set-apart ones. God, do your work in your church. Help us to have quiet hearts before you, uh, experiencing the grace and the peace that comes through your son Jesus. And it's in his name. Thank you so much for being here today. You are dismissed.